0: As, as women, we need to give ourselves the permission as, as moms, as women, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we need to understand that boldness and opportunity stand on the other side of us kind of getting over this mistakes hump.
1: Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen.
2: I am here today with Natalie Taylor. Uh, I actually met Natalie through social media. I saw something that she had posted on LinkedIn, and I checked her out. I really liked her, or so I thought. I pinged her. We had a phone call, and here she is. Natalie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Kathleen. I'm so
0: glad that you reached out.
2: Yeah, you know, it's one of those LinkedIn stories that work. We just had such a wonderful conversation that I'm really excited to have you on the Breaking Money Silence podcast and busting a myth wide open. Uh, So why don't you tell uh, the listeners what your myth is today?
0: Yeah, so the myth um, I'd love for us to chat about is that money mistakes are bad. Aren't money mistakes bad? (laughs) Well, um, I think we'd all like to avoid mistakes, but I think money mistakes can be a real gift um, if we if we look at them that way. Um, so I think just the kind of um, straightforward feeling that money mistakes are bad is a little bit off.
2: I do think that in finance, we tend to lean on a traditional way of looking at it where things are either right or wrong. And so when you say, you know, money mistakes are bad, uh, I think there's probably a lot of folks that are listening and are like, yeah, definitely. Um, But tell me a little bit about kind of what motivated you to pick this myth and how you see it. Yeah. So honestly, the reason that I picked this myth, um, a little while
0: back, uh, I was with my seven year old son. And he had just gotten $12. It was like the leftover of birthday money. And I could tell it was burning a hole in his pocket. He just desperately wanted to spend that money. And I tried to slow him down. We tried to talk through, you know, you're saving up for this other thing. Maybe you should just put the $12 towards it. And he would have none of it. He was like, I want to go to the store. I want to buy anything Minecraft and I want to do it now. And I said, okay. So we went to the store, we got a dumb toy. Um, he was over it within five minutes. We had Barely left the parking lot and he said, can we drive back and return it? But he had shredded the packaging. They wouldn't take it back And he was really upset and I I thought to myself like this is perfect and I could have told him a million times Slow down. Let's think of other options You're saving for you know, this other motorbike that you want and and none of that had any impact on him But him making that $12 mistake He got it. He understood and I've seen him spend differently um since then which has been really cool and and I would say One of the things that really stood out to me is to keep myself from saying I told you so because I so desperately wanted to say I told you so Um, (laughs) I could see that But instead I told him, you know, i'm i'm proud of you for figuring this out and we moved on from it I let him sit in his yucky feelings. I let him sit in the mistake and learn from it himself And then I thought to myself, you know, this really extends beyond this one little moment to parenting, to my business, to my work as a financial planner. So that's why this myth kind of really stuck out to me when we talked about money myths.
2: Yeah, you really did a nice job as a parent, though, capitalizing on that teachable moment. And um, do you think being somebody who's in the financial planning world, it made it any easier to Uh, address this, you know, I I don't want to say mistake, but teachable moment with your child? You know, it's interesting. I don't
0: know that my background in financial planning, which is, you know, 15 years now, I don't know that that really helped me in this moment. I think what helped me in this moment might be some of the behavioral financial advice stuff of thinking about a decision-making process as a decision-making process, thinking about, you know, values and goals and slowing down and letting the emotions clear I think if anything, that was helpful, but you know, I specialize in things like retirement and budgeting and and estate planning, tax planning, college funding. So I don't know that any of that really applied, but the behavioral aspect, which I'm really fascinated by, and I think is surging in our profession right now, which I think is such a good thing for us as advisors and for clients. um, I think that really played a role for me in thinking through how is he making his decisions, and how can he make better decisions?
2: So if the myth is that money mistakes are bad, and and we have moms listening in, entrepreneurs, uh, men and women who are entrepreneurs listening in, and also financial advisors, you know, if that's the myth, what would you say we should be teaching our kids, or we should be teaching our clients?
0: I think we should be teaching them that none of us are immune to mistakes. We are all gonna make mistakes. What matters is how we recover from them. Um, do, we, do we just kind of hide them because they're shameful, they're embarrassing, we regret them, and so we just sort of bury them? Or do we take a pause? Do we figure out what led me to make this decision? What was I thinking? What was I feeling? How did I get there? Why did I make this decision? Or why did my partner make this decision if we're making decisions together? And what can be learned to help me behave differently next time. I think if we if we do that that's really what's so valuable about mistakes.
2: So it's almost like money mistakes are a time to reflect as opposed to them being good or bad. Absolutely. A lot of times if we go along and we make great decisions,
0: um sure, we've made great decisions and that's a good thing, but we don't get those opportunities for the kind of insight into ourselves or our partners or as financial planners into our clients that we get when we have these moments of not great decisions.
2: So before I get into what an advisor like yourself could do in this position, I want to really speak to what can people do themselves when they notice either their child's making a mistake or, um, you know, I know a lot of women who tend to beat themselves up if they don't get it right. Maybe men are beating themselves up and they're not being as vocal about it. I don't know. Um, But what can we do differently when this happens? Yeah, that's a great
0: question. And you know, I I obviously speak from a woman's perspective. I I have a sense that maybe men don't beat themselves up the same way that women do, but I don't know because I've only lived this life. But I I think that as women, we need to give ourselves the permission as as moms, as women, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we need to understand that boldness and opportunity stand on the other side of us. Kind of getting over this mistakes hump. That fear of failure, fear of making mistakes, whether it's financial or otherwise, prevents us from taking advantage of a lot of opportunities that might be really good for us and might be good for the the work that we're doing um, or the people that we're helping or the children that we're raising. So I think really focusing on what is a fear of failure or a fear of mistakes preventing me from experiencing. Um, or learning is, is important for us in getting over that hump.
2: It's interesting because you and I are both entrepreneurs. Uh, we do some similar stuff, some different stuff. Obviously, you're a planner and I'm not. Uh, but when I'm thinking about myself as an entrepreneur, I think I take risks. I'm bold. I look for opportunities. But when I'm at least historically, interacting with money. But, you know, it can happen nowadays, too. And, and I make some sort of mistake. It could be small. It could be, you know, I've, you know, bounced a check, dare I say that publicly. But, you know, occasionally that might happen and I get a fee. The way in which I will beat myself up over a money mistake versus the way I don't beat myself up over an entrepreneurial decision that didn't work out, it's almost striking. I, I don't know if you can speak to that for yourself if there's a difference or if you've seen that in the uh, entrepreneur that you've worked with, that there seems to be a difference?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I find that people hold money in a different place than they hold the rest of the decisions in their life. And sometimes they will make very strategic, wise decisions, um, risk-taking decisions sometimes, bold decisions in other places like their business, and they won't apply it to money. Um, And I think a lot of that often is rooted in how they grew up thinking or feeling about money, what they observed when they were growing up thinking or feeling about money. And it maybe is different or non-congruent with the way that they make decisions elsewhere. I think the good news is recognizing that and saying, I'm a great decision maker in my business for the most part, none of us are perfect, but I do a good job of discerning which opportunities to take advantage of and which ones to let go because I know what's important to me. I know what I'm trying to achieve. Um, I know what I'm capable of. And I know um, how far to stretch. And so I think it's taking that framework and thinking to yourself, am I applying that in my financial life or not? And if not, why? Um, What's preventing you from applying that that knowledge and wisdom and ability and skill set in your financial life the way that you are in other places um, of your business? And I think the same can be said for parenting. I think some of us feel really strongly and confidently about our decision-making process in business, for example. But in parenthood, maybe we constantly second-guess ourselves. In parenthood, I feel like I'm constantly second-guessing the decisions because I want to do a great job at this. It's the most important thing that I will ever do. And I don't have that cornerstone the same that I do in some of the other areas of my life. So I think observing that in yourself and then sort of getting to the bottom of where it's coming from and what can you learn almost from yourself in the other realms of your life to apply to finances.
2: It's a great advice. You know, it it strikes me, though, that when we talk about family money messages, that you, in that moment with your son, had an opportunity uh, to have a very different family money message than a lot of us may have grown up with. Uh, I know for me, it was very black and white. You either, you know, were good with money or you were bad with money or you did it right or you did it wrong. and. You know, it sounds like you, you really gave your um, child a real opportunity not to have that experience, even though maybe that was your knee-jerk reaction. Uh, also, I, I feel like as advisors, right, so you're, you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, you're also an advisor, I feel like the advising profession really has trouble with the word feelings. And you have mentioned feelings, and you have mentioned values a few times in the podcast already. So uh, tell me how you use that in your work and why you think that's important when we're looking at our uh, behaviors around money,
0: yeah. So I use values and um, and and that ends up bringing up feelings um in the work that I do with clients. I am i am I want to think that I'm a feeler, but I'm not. I'm a thinker. Um, so I do it in a very tangible way. But you know, in my own life and I lead clients through, thinking through what are my core values um, what are the things that if my life is in alignment with these things that i feel content that i feel like i'm in alignment with what's most important to me um, and how do i apply that to way that, to, to to the ways that i spend my time and my money those are the ways that i that, that's the way that i approach finances with clients and i find it to be a very powerful tool especially when working with a couple having them gain alignment on the core values and then filtering all of the decisions that they're making through those values has been really tangible and really effective and powerful for clients. So that's that's how I use the work. And I think, you know, in this process of thinking about mistakes, I've spent several years of my career mentoring and coaching other advisors on how to communicate effectively with clients. And one of the things that we focus on in that work is how to create open, non judgmental dialogue with clients. You want to know your client well so that you can serve them well. And you're not gonna gain insight into them unless you create a safe space for them to acknowledge some of the mistakes they've made and then help them look back as detectives with no shame or no guilt or no blaming, either of themselves or of their partner, but help them sift through. Why, why did that decision get made? How, what were you thinking about? How were you feeling? Um, did a lot of thought and time go into it or was it just on a whim? And helping them discover a little bit more about themselves and why they made that mistake will not only help you understand them more, but you give them the opportunity to, to understand themselves more. Um, but I find that a lot of times advisors will maybe label that person as a bad client of, ugh, my client keeps making these, you know, suboptimal financial decisions, Uh, they're a bad client. Um, Or, you know, making their client maybe inadvertently feel guilty about the the bad decisions that they've made in the past. I think we're really missing an opportunity with our client, both for the benefit of our business to to continue to have more and more clients to differentiate ourselves, and to the detriment of the client.
2: And, you know, I think that if you look at how the field has evolved over time. It definitely has shifted and changed. And as you mentioned earlier, there's more attention to behavioral finance. I don't think it's where it needs to be yet. I talk a lot about the human side of finance. And so Mm -hmm. how much do you think your ability to sit with a client's mistake and help them uncover it and understand it, or as a mom sitting with your child understanding their money mistake comes from the fact that you're able to do that for yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I've had to do a lot of work here. I will say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, and there have been times that I've felt like, well, those that can't do teach, to be honest, um, because I, I sh- have struggled with perfectionism most of my life. But I have done a lot of work on that. And in this current season of uh, my career, I am pointedly making you know, metrics around my business that are related to trying new things and looking for progress and not perfection, trying things that are outside of my comfort zone, taking advantage of opportunities that I may have passed by before. And so I've, I've tried to orient my life around helping myself, not fear failure to the point that I'm not taking advantage of opportunities. And it's, it's a learned behavior the the longer I do it, the better I get at it. Um, and I think helping others through that same process helps them and
2: it helps me. Just to get back to your son before we go, I'm wondering, you know, what what do you see that's different in his behavior when he gets uh, money now? The next time we went shopping, he had saved
0: $73. Um, whereas before, you know, money really burned a hole in his pocket. And as soon as he got it, he wanted to spend it. And he bought a variety of things, and he actually asked my husband, you know, will you tell me if one of these things is a bad purchase, which I thought was incredible. We, we just got a Target in my town, which is very exciting for moms, also very exciting for kids. And he took his $73 in a, in a bag. We all went to Target. And as he looked around, he asked my husband, can you tell me if you think I'm making a mistake in any of my purchases? So he, he's somewhere in him knew <laughs> that sometimes he's prone to make decisions that he regrets later. And so he asked for some outside help, which I thought was really incredible. Um, I was in the home section looking at pillows. So my husband was there, but it really, to me was a, a big difference. He had never asked for that before and we had always wanted to give it to him, but he wouldn't listen if we said it.
2: That is so fascinating when it comes to changing behavior and is such a parallel to what I think a lot of us need to do as adults is find somebody who is an advisor, who's trusted, who can just help us talk through some things when it comes to money. So I I love um, that example and it must've been a very proud mom moment.
0: It was very, I was very proud. And I think that, I think my husband and I got that opportunity to be there for him in that way because we didn't do the, I told you so thing. I I think if we would have, I don't know that he would have asked for our help.
2: Uh, Yes. Well, you are braver than I, and raising a young one, so kudos to you and your husband. It sounds like you guys are doing a great job. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about where they can find out more about you. I know you're up to lots of different interesting work, and I will let you fill them in on that.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Natalie Taylor. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Natalie Ann Taylor Money. Um, or you can find my website natalieandtaylor.com. I'm also opening a practice um, in Q1 of 2020, which I'm so excited about um, so that I can get back to serving clients one-on-one because after all the amazing things that I've had the privilege and been lucky enough to do, client work has always been um, where my heart is. And so I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Congratulations on uh, opening a new practice. I know you're not new to practicing, but opening a new practice. It sounds like you are very good with behavioral change and supporting clients around their values. Thank you so much for Breaking Money Silence with me, Natalie. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.